This morning, we're going to continue on our series that we're calling How to Discourage Discouragement. And I really do believe that as we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks, it really is ministered to people because we all face discouragement. It's something that we're, as I mentioned, discouragement is an equal opportunity force. It, is, it, it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter your background, whether you know a religious background or not, it doesn't matter your education, it doesn't matter where your status is in life. We all have equal standing when it comes to being discouraged in life. How many would agree? I mean, discouragement comes in many forms. It comes with many faces. And today we're going to look at one. Uh, We're going to look at an area of fear today. And the Bible makes it very clear that fear is not from God. Somebody might say, well, how do you know that? Well, 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us. It makes it very clear, if you look on the screen, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. How many agree that's clear? For God has not given us a spirit of fear. So does God give us fear to teach us something? Does God give us fear to instruct us or guide us? Does God give us a fear for any reason? Listen to me. He's got no fear to give. Okay? God has not given us a spirit of fear. But what has He given us? What spirit did He give us? He gave us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, when you're filled with fear, you're not of a sound mind, you know? How many would agree? Have you ever been in a situation where you were so afraid, and somewhere that logic part of your brain saying, I shouldn't be afraid, yet I feel afraid anyway? Anybody know what I'm talking about? In other words, I can can logically look at things saying, I shouldn't have any fear. For example, I mean, we'll just take one off the top of my head. The fear of heights. Anybody here got the fear of heights? Let's look at that thing. Is the fear of heights a logical thing? No. In fact, some of you who don't have that concern at all, that can fly in planes, that can look outside, that can be in a skyscraper and say, hey, can I stick my head outside, look down, you know? I mean, no concern at all about it. You'd say, it's ridiculous that you're concerned with, you know, a little bit of height. Why is it? And you can look at things logically, but how many of you know, for whatever reason, our life goes way beyond logic? <laughs> no matter how we look at things logically, how many agree it's not logical to fight with your spouse? Can I ask a question? In any fight you have with anyone, any argument, okay, you're in the middle of arguing, pushing your side, and they're pushing their side. Is there anybody that can tell me there's a real good reason for that right then? It's helpful. It does something. It accomplishes something right then at that moment. No. We all would agree, I think, in the middle of a heated argument, when all you're doing is pushing your side of something and someone else is pushing their side, nothing good is being accomplished, right? Nothing good is being accomplished. Because why? No one's listening to anybody. Now, after you're done the argument, and you feel bad about the argument, and you start coming to your senses and you start looking at things, could something good have come out of it? Yeah. You could turn it around and say, I apologize, I should have listened to your side, da-da-da-da-da-da, and we could fix things and everybody's lovey-dovey again. But the fact is, in the middle of it, it's not logical. Yet we do a lot of things, as I said, that don't seem to be logical. Well, we're going to talk about worry today. And worry is not logical at all. 
because as we're going to see, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't do anything. Well, as we saw in the Word of God, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Say it with me. God has not given me a spirit of fear. What did He give us? He gave us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Well, our enemy, the devil, he uses fear to manipulate and control people. In other words, I want you to listen to this statement and listen closely. When a believer allows fear to dictate what they will or won't do, doesn't matter what it is in life, if you allow fear to dictate what you will or won't do, fear has put you in bondage. Fear has handcuffed your life and also has limited the power of God in your life. You see, we know from the Word of God that God has a good plan for us. It it is a path of blessing. It is a path of peace. He has good things for us, but our enemy also has a plan. And that's revealed to us as what? He wants to steal, kill, and destroy in our lives. Both of those plans, guys, are in active motion all the time. They're always flowing. They're always moving. There's two missions, so to speak, or two forces that are always moving. They're opposing, but nonetheless, they're moving. What I want to talk about today when we look at the subject of fear is how it creeps up in our everyday life. In other words, I'm talking about a a level of fear that every person every day has the opportunity to allow in their life. And this fear, the thing about this fear is it's subtle. It sneaks in And a lot of people are allowing this fear in their life and not even being aware of it. In fact, many believers in Christ are slaves to this level of fear and are not even aware of it. They're not even aware of how much is going on. So again, we're talking about worry. Now, you might say, well, where's the discouragement coming from? Well, when we worry, we open the door to discouragement before anything in most cases has even happened. You know, it's like worry is the front-line force of fear. (laughs) It is out there ahead of everything, even before something has actually happened. How many would agree? We worry about a lot of things that haven't even occurred that may never occur. You know, there are people that are crazy in fear and worry about, for example, Russia attacking the United States. Right? They're afraid of nuclear war, that kind of thing, you know, with all these nukes. Guess what? If somebody starts it, it's all over anyway. Right? If one country shoots a bunch of nukes, then a bunch of other countries are going to shoot a bunch of nukes, and it's over. We're all gone. So what is there to worry about? Is your worry going to stop the nuke? (laughs) Right? In other words, why worry? I know, I just that seems a little excessive. But the fact is, why worry about it? But the fact is, we worry about things that haven't happened. And that breeds discouragement in our life before we've ever even got started. Before something has even had the opportunity to happen. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're running for a promotion at work. Now, there's a few other candidates as well, and there's only one position. And uh, this promotion means more money to you. It will add some more benefits uh, to you. And the big thing is it will adjust your schedule to where you'll have a lot more family time. How many would agree that's a good thing? And this person is a Christian. And they're believing God for this job. They want this job because it'll be a blessing to their life. 
And they're hearing from several co-workers that's being whispered around, you know, the water cooler places like that, that they're a shoe-in to get the job, that they've heard a lot of buzz about they're the ones that are going to, that person is going to get the promotion. And uh, like I said, they prayed, they've been faithful, they worked hard, they're feeling real good about it, they're excited about it. And there's only two more days until the promotion who's getting it is going to be announced. And like I said, they're all excited about it and what they're hearing from other people. And just as they're getting into the car to leave that day, they uh, get stopped by one of their coworkers. And as they're getting into the car, the coworker says, hey, uh, I got some not so good news. I heard that so-and-so is probably going to get the promotion. It's most likely going to be them. And so you smile and they're friendly and and so they say, well, that's, that's good for them. I'm, I'm glad. That, that's wonderful. And they get in the car, and the reality is when they heard those words, their heart sank. And discouragement immediately began to do its ugly work in their thought life. And that's where it begins, in the thought life. Immediately they have thoughts over and over that are saying things like, it never works for me. I knew I wouldn't get it anyway. I never win anything. I guess the better person got it. So they come home and their spouse can see it on their face that they're disappointed, that they're discouraged. And so the spouse asks some questions and discerns what's going on. And the the spouse encourages them and says, quit downing it. Why are you worried about something that hasn't even happened yet? Chill. You'll do fine. So later on, they're in bed and they cannot help thinking about this over and over in their thought life they're hearing the same thing i'm not going to get the promotion i always lose out it never works for me someone else is going to get it and the more this person thinks about it the more discouraged they become worry is a powerful force for discouragement about something that hasn't even happened and most likely will not happen And when you think about it, what a powerful tool for the enemy to use in our life because all he's doing is using your own thoughts against you. All he's doing is taking something and twisting it a little. And if discouragement, though, is left unchecked, it will do great harm because it is really hard to be in faith, trust in the Lord, and being discouraged at the same time. How many would agree? Very, very hard. And so it's very hard to be positive while you're discouraged. When we consider worry, we need to see worry as it is. Worry is a relative of fear, or it is an offspring of fear. Now, in our culture, worry is seen as acceptable and even responsible. Uh, There are many people that would argue that if you're not worrying about something, you don't care about something. And is that not true? There are people, there, there are moms that would be hardcore about that. If you told them to quit worrying about their kids, they'd say, but I love my children. And therefore, if you love your children, you worry about your children. Or it could be any relative, any family member, any friends. If you don't worry about finances, you're irresponsible. If you don't worry in life, somebody in this world would say, what's wrong with you? They talk about worry all the time. And if you'll just open your heart and minds and ask the Lord to show you evidence of worry in life, I promise you're going to get overloaded with it. 
It is a constant, constant thing. And if you will listen and ask the Lord to show you your thoughts, reveal your thoughts in this area, your words in this area, and others, you would be shocked at how rampant it is, even among believers, even among those who say they trust in the Lord. Worry is a type of fear that is wrapped very smoothly. In other words, it's wrapped in a softer, friendlier, more acceptable wrapping. It looks like it's okay. And that is sinister. Think about Satan and how he would work. And he would allow that to come in. And you could be sitting right on the front row of church, hearing the Word of God, the life-giving power of God, worshiping a true, wonderful, merciful, heavenly Father, and worry at the same time. Worry about how your needs are going to be met. Worrying about um, so-and-so that went on vacation, maybe on the other side of the world. Worrying about this. Worrying about that. And worry, I tell you, it is an amazing thing that can sneak in in our life that we must recognize as fear. And the Word of God tells us, do not fear all over the place. Fear and faith are opposing forces. You cannot trust God and be in fear at the same time and worry at the same time. It won't work. You have to let go of one and grab hold of the other. When I was a a child, I recall being worried constantly. I lived in, in worry regarding my grades in school. Will the teacher pick me <laughs> when I knew I didn't know <laughs> what I was talking about or what was going on or even what room we were in at the moment? You know, Would, uh, would so-and-so like me? Would so-and-so not like me? See, worry runs in, it's taught us very, very young. And, and we, we don't even realize that children can walk around almost with ulcers. I mean, they worry about everything. They worry about, they worry about pleasing mom and dad. They worry about this. They worry about that. That should not be. As I grew up and as a young adult, I worried about bills and expenses and uh, insurance costs and endless taxes. I worried about first impressions. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Making a first impression. I worried about job interviews. I worried about all kinds of things. The average person over their lifetime spends countless hours worrying. Worrying. Everybody say worrying. I really want you to begin to think about this in your life. Listen to the statement. Worrying is fear over a future that hasn't happened yet and is unlikely to happen at all. In fact, when I worried when I was younger, I don't like I did at all. And I recognize worry now and I deal with it in my life. But the fact is, when I was younger, as I look back <laughs> and I consider all that worrying, I realize I survived 99% of all those things I worried about. In other words, they never came to pass. They never happened. Yet, I lost a lot of sleep. Anybody know what I'm talking about at one time? I lost a lot of effort, a lot of productivity <laughs> over worry. Worrying is a waste of time, and it brings us to a place of depression instead of joy where we ought to be. If you look with me on the screen, 1 Peter 5, 7, the Amplified, says this. It says, casting the whole of your care. So the whole of your care is what? The word whole implies what? All of it. Everybody say all of it. 
If that wasn't clear, the Amplified amplifies it for us. The casting the whole of your care, then it goes on to define that. All your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns. Does that pretty much cover life? All of it in every area, once and for all, on Him. In other words, we're to give our cares, our concerns, our fears to Him, for He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. In other words, we are not designed to worry. God did not make us as His creation to worry. We weren't designed to carry the weight of it. God wants us to enjoy life. And how many know you can enjoy life and worry at the same time? Worry absorbs everything in your life. And I'm telling you what, enjoying life is a whole lot better than worrying. If you were to look up the dictionary definition of the word worry, this would be the definition. It's to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulties or troubles. That's really all it is. Worry is focusing your thoughts on difficulties and troubles. How many of you here have ever worried about someone giving you money? Anybody? Anybody worried about winning the lottery? Yeah, you're not getting it. Now you're getting it. Anybody worry about someone giving you a brand new car paid for? Come on! You mean to tell you no one has ever worried about anything positive? You've never one time worried. What if I met the right person at the right time and they're my soulmate? They're the ones God sent in and worried about that. Or worried about buying the right thing at the right time. At the, I'm just worried about it. It might happen. See, when you stop and you think, you think, you're ridiculous, Pastor. Why would you be saying that? Because you've never worried about one positive thing in your life. Why is it always negative? It's always, like I said, you never woke up when the phone rang at 2 in the morning and said, Hey, I wonder what good news we're going to hear. You always, always what? Lean towards negative. Lean towards negative. Worry is fear. Worry is never positive. Worry is never good. Worry is always bad. To worry or worrying implies harassment and torture. That's really what it is. It's harassment in your thought life, and it's torture. It really is torture. So what I want to do this morning is real quickly give us a few reasons why we shouldn't worry, and then we'll address how do we deal with it. So if you're taking notes, this is good to take notes on, guys, because if you take notes, you'll be thinking about this. It'll affect you later. So number one, the simple thing is worrying changes nothing. Worrying changes nothing. Someone said this once, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you won't get anywhere. In other words, it keeps you busy, but nothing's happening. You ever seen a hamster on the wheel? Man, that thing is just going and going and going and going, but he isn't really going anywhere. He's applying a lot of energy to something that's not taking him somewhere. Uh, Worry is that way. You're using a lot of energy, but you're not going anywhere. Worry is a complete waste of time and accomplishes absolutely zero. Worrying won't help you solve a problem, and it won't help you bring about a solution. 
It's a waste of energy. Jesus told us this in Luke 12, 25 and 26. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Now this is Jesus. Remember, who created us? Who knows man more than anybody, right? He knows us. He, he knows he is God. And he says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? That's the question. The answer is what? No. It, in fact, it'll take away <laughs> It'll take away time you could have done something productive with. Instead, you worried. And you did nothing. You got nowhere. And it says, of course not. And if worry can't do little things like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Right? What's the point? Does worrying accomplish anything? Whether the issue in your life is big or small, worrying gets you nowhere. It is a waste of time and energy. Number two, worrying is not good for you. Worrying is not good for you. Proverbs 12, 25 in the New Living says, worry weighs a person down. Worry is like this. You're having a backpack to take care of things in your normal everyday life. And when you worry, it's like you're adding rocks to the backpack or bricks to the backpack. And it's slowly weighing you down. That's not the way the Lord intended us to live life. It says here an encouraging word cheers a person up. So worry weighs a person down. Worry discourages a person. Worry is oppressive. Did you get that? Worry is oppressive. Worry is downright mean with a nice friendly mask on. It's downright deceptive because we think it's okay, but it's really, really hurting us in life. It's really damaging us in life. Worrying is destructive in many ways. It affects you mentally, which can actually, eventually affect you physically. People that worry, what do we associate with them? Ulcers and other type of things. Some of them go excessive in this, and they literally begin to physically get sick. So worrying is not healthy for our physical body. It's not good for our mind. It it disrupts your productivity throughout the day. Have you ever been significantly worried about something and then tried to concentrate on something else? It is near impossible. Because you'll keep on coming back to it. You'll keep Worry doesn't like to share your thought life. Worry wants it all. Fear wants every aspect of you. It wants to shut you down. Remember, what did we say the word discouragement? To deter, to stop. To, to just keep you from doing anything. That is exactly what worry does. It wants to keep you locked up in a corner, powerless and weak. Worry absorbs your thought life. Listen, worry will negatively affect our relationships. Have you ever, did any, has anybody here, don't raise your hand, dealt with someone, maybe close to you, that's a worry wart. They worry about everything. And they voice it all the time. Worry, worry, worry. Fear, afraid of every... Uh, the word, I'm afraid, comes out of their mouth constantly. I mean, if I had a friend like that, what fun would they be? Hey, Bobby, let's go on the roller coaster. No, I'm afraid of this. Afraid of speed. Afraid of heights. Afraid of metal things. I'm telling you, I got family members that won't do a lot of things. And I'm not just talking about my wife when it comes to roller coasters. You know? I'm, and she's not afraid of them, okay? She just doesn't like it because it doesn't make her feel good, you know? I mean, I don't like to go, wee real fast. 
or we're going to go real fast, okay? I, it just doesn't feel good for me, okay? But I'm not afraid of it. I just don't like the feeling that I have after I'm done. But I'm talking about sincerely being afraid. They won't do any. I, have, I know lots of people that won't do a lot of things in life. Their family's all out there doing it, but they're not because they're afraid. They're, I can't swim. I'm afraid. I won't go on the boat. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm this. I'm afraid. Well, then wear a life jacket and stay in the boat, you know, and jump in the water and have four life jackets on. You'll just be, you aren't going anywhere, I'm telling you. <laughs> You'd be in the middle of a storm and you'd still be bobbing around, you know? I mean, what I'm saying is over every time there's an opportunity in your life to step on a fear, you should do it. You should never allow fear dictate anything in your life. I would face that fear. I would deal with that fear. No matter If it was a fear to fly, then I'd fly on purpose. Right? That's what you should do. Should any of you honestly be afraid to fly? Don't raise your hand if you are. I'm saying we shouldn't be. Why? That's restricting us from going somewhere. It's restricting us from enjoying things with everybody else. So face your fears. Just look right in the eye in the name of Jesus. I'm not afraid. And if you got to do it afraid, just do it afraid. And guess what will happen when you get in the other side of it? You know, my dad, when we would go swimming when I was a kid, I was always one of these people, and I, I, I still am, that, you know, when you come up to the pool and it's cool and you're doing this, like, woo, it's cold, you know? And so my dad was always of the opinion, just jump in and get it over with. Because if you go slow, it's going to be more painful. In other words, it's just working its way up. And then if anybody splashes you, you're really freaked out, you know. So just go under. Just get it done. But see, it's easier said than done. You're like, oh, it's cold. Oh, it's cold. But how long is it going to be cold for? Just a, just a second, and then it's over, you know. Just a second, and it's done. And I remember my wife and I, we were in Hawaii and we were both going to just, let's just jump in and get it done. And the water was actually relatively warm. It was, you know, a little cool, but not cold, you know. And it was just that initial jump in. And we're both, no, you first, you first, you first. <laughs> Finally, I just did it, you know. And, but, I mean, the, my point is, what was my dad trying to teach me? Just face it. Just do it. Just get it done and get beyond it. And once you're on the other side of it, you'll have fun and enjoy it. But see, so many people are stopped by fear. They don't enjoy a lot of things, but they get to watch everybody else enjoy it. What a sad way to live. What a sad way. I want to be a part of everything. I want to enjoy every good thing that God has. And if that means i got to look over a cliff to enjoy that beauty, bless God, I'm not going to be afraid. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to go, woo woo You know, I'm not, I'm not saying be stupid about something. But I'm saying, you know, you could go over here and hold the rail as hard as you possibly can, you know. <laughs> you know, I mean, but you know what? Go up and do it, even if your knees are knocking. And then once you get up there, wow. And all of a sudden, the impact of whatever the beauty or whatever the thing is you're looking at, you'll override the fear. Now, that doesn't mean you might say, hey, let's play on the other side of it and see how, how far I can stretch off the, the thing. You know, I, I'm not saying crazy stuff like that, but I'm saying face your fears. Amen? Why, why I addressed that so long, I don't know, but I'm going to let it go with that. So worry, again, it can affect our relationships. It's not something we can just let go of in life. It is a horrible thing. I remember one time, <laughs> I know a man... He's actually a minister, 
And he's in bed with his wife, and it's on a Saturday night, and they're having the typical problem with their, one of their children that's riding that teenage adult thing. In other words, they're an adult, but they're acting like an idiot, you know, doing dumb things. Well, he, he, his son was doing all kinds of dumb things. The problem is his son had his same name. So in other words, he was getting the phone calls for what his son was doing and, and uh, the bills and all the other things. So he went over to his son's place. Who, who He was a man at 19. He could take care of himself. And he's out in this hammock, and, it, and there, there was a baseball bat near the hammock there. And, and he told his son, listen, and he said, and he tried to be nice and sweet about it. He says, son, listen. You obviously have a lot of issues going on, a lot of problems. You come back home, and I'll help you fix them. In other words, I'll help you pay these things and help you get a job and get things straightened out in your life because you're not doing very good right now, and you're ruining my name. And uh, Annie's a minister on top of it. And so, so, well, what if I don't? He said, then I'm going to believe God for the strength with a baseball bat and take you and make you do it, you know? And, uh, and the son's like this, the dad's like this, you know. And, uh, well, anyway, he went home and he said, that offer of me doing all this stuff for you, I'll give you a car, I'll help you get a job, and I'll help you pay these bills out, but the offer ends at midnight. Well, that night, you know, they're in bed, he's in bed with his wife, and his wife is just, but what if he doesn't do it? I know it's worrying, 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 worrying. And he said, honey... When he gets here, why don't we invite him to bed? Because that's exactly where he is right now. And anyway, he said, don't worry about it. He'll come home. Why? Because he had confidence in God, and he had confidence in what his son would do. And all of a sudden, it was like 11.59, and he heard the door. (laughs) And the son just came in and went and slept on the floor in a spare bedroom. And then he helped him from there, and he's done real good since. But my point is, do you get the worrying part? You know, I'm not sleeping with my 19-year-old son between my wife and I. And when you worry, what do you do? You bring somebody else's problems sometimes right in the middle of your marriage. That isn't going to bode well. That isn't going to help. Certainly isn't going to make things romantic. Anyway, enough said. All right, number three. Actually, before I say that, I want to quote, I'll give you a quote. This is Corey Tenboom. I've used this before, but worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. And that's a good quote. Let me say it again. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. In other words, it isn't going to affect tomorrow, but it empties today of its strength. It just wears you out. You can actually feel tired after worrying. All right, number three, real quick. Number three, worrying is meditating on what the devil said. That's really what worry is. Worry is meditating on what the devil said. Now, most believers agree that we should be thinking on good things. However, when we allow worry to control our thought life, we're focusing on negative things, not on what God says. Remember, worrying is not focusing on good positive things, is it? No, it's focusing on negative things, bad things. Well, let's look at what the Word says. Philippians 4, 8 tells us what we ought to do with our thought life. It says, now, dear brothers and sisters, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Notice this first part, fix your thoughts. Everybody say, fix your thoughts. Can you control your thought life? The Bible says you can. Now, you may have to do it constantly, 
But the fact is, fix your thoughts. He's saying, set your thoughts. Pay attention. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You say, well, what if, Pastor, my thoughts drift back to worrying? Then you fix your thoughts and you get them back again. You say, no, I'm not going to worry in the name of Jesus. And you force your mind to think about God's Word. Think about good things. Force your mind to focus on positive things. That no, things aren't going to work out that way. No, that doctor's report's going to be a good report. You follow me? That that bill is going to be totally paid for. That issue is going to be solved. Whatever it is, you force your thoughts back where they need to be. In other words, do a checkup from the neck up. You've all heard that before. You've heard me say many times, think about what you're thinking about and then deal with it. Number four, lastly, worrying puts your focus in the wrong direction. Worrying puts your focus in the wrong direction. Remember, worrying is what? Always negative. It's always negative. It's always going the wrong way. When we keep our eyes focused on God, we remember His love for us. We realize uh, we truly have nothing to worry about. When you think about your Heavenly Father, when you meditate on how good He is, I'll give you a couple scriptures. Guess what's going to happen? Your thoughts are going to say, what do I need to be concerned about? I mean, i got a big old angel next to me, <laughs> Right? You start meditating on what the Word says about angels and think about how powerful and think about one is, at least one is right next to me all the time. I can go to sleep and be comfortable. I don't need to worry about it. Somebody might might come in my house. Well, I ain't getting past my angel. Right? Right? And, you know, know, I mean, people people live in fear about that. They're so worried someone's going to break in that that they decide where they're going to live, how they're going to live, what they're going to do. You know what you did? You put your faith in yourself, not in the Lord. I don't care if I live in a shack that has nothing but a little cardboard box. I can sleep without worrying. Why? Because... The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's watching over me. He's taking care of me. Right? Now, that doesn't mean, well, Pastor Ken, are you telling me leave the front door unlocked and the garage door open and keys in the car? Well, unless you're an idiot, you know. I'm not dumb and say, here, devil, devil. (laughs) You know, come on and come on. Don't do dumb things, but at the same time, put your trust in the Lord, not your lock. You understand what I'm saying? Put your trust in the Lord, not your windows. Right? Put your trust in the Lord, not your eyeball, keeping one eye. And certainly don't put your trust in your dog. <laughs> we get a dog that sleep right through the whole thing. <laughs> Bark at me for getting up, not the intruder. <laughs> Listen, Luke 12, 32 is a couple scriptures to meditate on. Luke 12, 32. Do not fear, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You start meditating on that and picture the Father's attitude towards you. He loves you. He's covering you. This is another one, Luke 12, 22-24. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said... How many believe we can trust Jesus? Right? Jesus said, So I tell you, don't worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or clothes to wear... Whether this or that, and everyday life includes a lot of things for all of us, right? Just put it, whatever it is in everyday life, 
And he says our, our everyday life consists of far more than food and clothing or whatever it is, paying bills and such. He said this. Now look at closely at verse 24. He said, look at the ravens. So he must have been pointing at them. They don't need to plant or harvest or put foods in barns because God feeds them. He's saying, look at these birds over here. God takes care of them no matter what they do. God is going to take care of them. Now look what it says. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. In other words, guys, God is going to take care of us. He's got our back. He loves us. And he's going to cover us. And aren't you grateful that our Father is the one watching over us who sees all things? knows every need, knows the intention of your heart. He knows everything about you, and he's taking care of you. So we can clearly see from God's word how unproductive and useless worry really is. It doesn't accomplish anything. But at the same time, if we allow worry to come in our life, it can do great harm and damage to our life. God's a big God. He's our shepherd. Remember I said Psalm 23 earlier. The Lord is faithful to provide, to protect, to lead us. He promised He would never leave us and He would never forsake us. He's always there. Even when it feels like He's not, you have the promise from His Word. He's there. He's covering you. He knows what you need. Amen? He's Jehovah Jireh, the one who sees ahead or sees before and makes provision. Remember when Abraham and uh, Isaac were going up to the mountain? Remember when they got there, right before he was going to lay down the knife, there was the uh, goat there so they could go ahead and sacrifice, right? Well, remember, where'd the goat come from? The Jehovah Jireh saw ahead and made provision, and while they were going up the mountain on one side, God was providing on the other, and it met right where it needed to. In other words, how many of how many believe you might be surprised when you see the bill at the mailbox, but the Lord wasn't? <laughs> right? You might be, oh my gosh, you know, oh, what what am I going to do? You know, he knew all along. And so all along he was making provision. Just trust him. Believe God that it'll be okay because he already saw this coming. And, and after all, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does that mean? I shall not want. I won't want for the money to pay the bill, right? Everybody say with me, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want for anything. (laughs) <laughs> why worry what am i what is my worrying gonna do <laughs> my worrying isn't gonna help in fact my worrying is going to deflate the power of god in my life my worrying is getting in the way from the lord meeting that need so why worry just let it go and we're going to show you what do you do if you already are worrying <laughs> what do you do if you're already there remember we're talking about how to discourage discouragement how do we deal with worry first of all we got to recognize it we have to be aware of worry once we recognize worry what we need to do is simply act on the word of god do what the word of god says to do look with me philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 7 look at this it's beautiful don't worry about anything <laughs> Everybody say it with me. Don't worry about anything. So is that not what the Bible says? Don't worry about anything. Instead, what does it say? Instead, pray about everything. So we go to the Lord about everything. We don't worry about things. We tell God what we need and thank Him for all He has done. Now notice once we've done that, what is the promise? 
Then. Everybody say then. Now, then doesn't work until you've done the first part. Okay? Then you will experience God's peace. You might start freaking out. But once you're done, you'll be in it to experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus, as we stay faithful to Him, as we trust Him. So our Heavenly Father doesn't want our heart and mind filled with worry. He wants us living in peace. Listen to me carefully. He wants us to be encouraged, not discouraged. Amen? He wants us encouraged. So real quickly, just to kind of review to make sure we're all on the same level. He said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now listen carefully. You can't trust in the Lord in prayer about your needs and then worry that your needs will not be met at the same time. You have to give up one so you can get the other. In other words, remember what 1 Peter 5, 7 said. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares for you. How many believe God is big enough to handle our cares and concerns? He's big enough for everything. He can certainly handle your little piddly issue. Now, your issue might seem colossal. Why? It's weighing you down. Your issue seems so big... But God is so much bigger than that. So let me give you a couple of scriptures. This is what we do. Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord, releasing the weight of it. In other words, the burden, the worrying is weighing you down. It's making it hard to live. Cast your burden on the Lord. What does that mean? I want everybody to put your hand up. Like this, put your hand up. Pretend you've got your burden there. You ready? Look at your burden. Okay? All right? Now throw it. Now that's exactly what this scripture is saying. Give it to him and let it go. In other words, he's going to catch it and he'll deal with it. I'm free. Praise God. Let's go party. Let's go eat. Let's go do whatever we're going to do. Say, well, you're down to your last bit of money. I'm not worried about it. (laughs) What do I got to worry about? Right? I remember times in my life, guys, where I owed thousands of dollars, like, now. And I'm like, I got like, you know, 30 bucks on me. And so somebody says, well, you can't spend that 30. You owe 1,000. What good is it going to (laughs) do? So we might as well eat and have a good time tonight. And so I take my family out. So let's go to McDonald's. And the kids say, yay! I'd say, okay, but they'd say, yay. You know, and they play and have a good time when life is good. Well, why not? Is the I mean, if I need a thousand and I only have thirty, then sow part of it and then go spend the rest and have a good time. In other words, what I was doing is acting on the word. And guess what would happen every single time? Something somehow would happen, whether that thing would be delayed until I had the money. Or somehow some unexpected money, or the Lord gave me this witty idea, do this, do this, and you'll have this. You know, he'll he'll give me something. He will come up with something, but let him, how can he work on it if I have it? You see, remember, I want you to think about this. When you cast it to the Lord, you gave it to him. You might say, Oh no, I didn't. That was stupid. That was silly. Well, if you're not acting on the word, but I'm acting on the word. This represents every care and every worry, every concern. I named it to him. I prayed. I said, here you are. Now I'm free. Praise God. I'm trusting him. And 
I am not picking that back up. Because if I pick it back up, he doesn't have it. And he can't fix something he doesn't have. Are you guys getting me on that? When you give it to him, let him keep it. (laughs) And you just rejoice and allow the peace of God to guard your heart and your mind. And, And then you'll say, well, then I'll be totally free. Well, until the devil comes the next time, which might be 10 minutes from there. Okay, and then guess what you're going to do then? Oh, no, devil. I gave that to the Lord. Ain't ain't my problem. And just rejoice. Father, I just thank you so faithful. You're so good to me. You're so good. You cover everything. I don't need to worry about that. And you just keep on doing it. The devil will finally say, I'm going to give up on that for now. I'll come back at a more convenient time. You know, in other words, he will come back, but he'll leave you alone if he knows you're not changing. I'm not going to pick it back up. Amen? Cast your burden. Put that scripture back up. Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord, releasing the weight of it, and He will sustain you. He will never allow the consistently righteous to be moved, made to slip, fall, or fail. This goes right along with our main scripture that we opened up with. Remember 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on Him. For He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Once you have truly given all your cares. Everybody say, I'm listening. This is important. Once you have truly given Him all your cares and all your concerns to Him, then and only then can you pray in faith, trust in the Lord and His Word. You have to give up the cares first. You get it? You have to let go of the problem first. Give it to Him first. Then you can pray and say, and trust it's all taken care of. You don't have to be concerned about it. And once you've done your part, that's the then. Then His peace will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Amen? I want to encourage you. This is an excellent way to deal with discouragement. Don't allow worry to operate in your life. In other words, everybody say it with me. I refuse to worry.